0: This is Dr. Tim Stafford, and this is the digital instructor. And uh, we have a really special guest today. Uh, Our guest with us today is uh, Susan Bearden. Uh, She's the chief innovation officer for the consortium of school networking. And uh, it's just really a pleasure to have her today. And so I'm just, thanks for being a part of of, um, our show today. Uh, uh, Susan, we really appreciate having you. Well,
1: thank you for having me. This is one of my favorite topics. I always love discussing digital citizenship.
0: Yeah, this is going to be really great. So, today, we're going to be discussing, as Susan has already said, we're going to be discussing digital citizenship, which, frankly, you know, uh, uh, as Susan and I were kind of talking about getting ready for this this podcast, uh, we talked about the fact that digital citizenship, a lot of times, it's something that we all... Kind of know about when stuff happens, like we you know currently we 've been zoom bombing and uh, kids get you know, there 's bullying cyber bullying and there's there 's a lot that's, that that we know about as far as digital citizenship but um you know in the in the it kind of gets relegated behind. Digital literacy, a lot of times, because I think we get as educators, we especially, uh, we we're so focused on literacy and you know what what skills they're going to need and how we're going to prepare them that we don't really realize the real need um, to to deal with digital citizenship. So that's how we're going to. That's the topic we're going to be talking about today, and uh, but I don't want to give too much away before we get started. I I want to give Susan kind of a an opportunity to introduce herself and uh, tell us a little bit about yourself and tell us a little bit about uh, what you're doing. Uh, with the consortium for social, I'm uh, for school networking rather.
1: Absolutely. So, I am a f- former music teacher, later on, and a former uh, school technology director. I was the technology director at an independent school in Melbourne, Florida, for seven years, and then I moved to Washington, D.C. to accept a fellowship at the U.S. Department of Education in the Office of Educational Technology, um, where I uh, did work on a lot of different topics, including digital citizenship and broadband policy and student data privacy. And after that, I uh, stayed in the D.C. area, was consulting for a few years. And then I had the um, opportunity, they created the position of chief innovation officer at COSEN, which is an advocacy and membership organization for K-12 CIOs, CTOs, tech, school technology leaders. The title varies, of course, mm. depending on the school or district. Right, right. Um, but basically, the person is overseeing technology in a school or district, and a lot of times, that's both operations and instructional technology. So, uh, I've been there for uh, over a year and a half now, and I, it's kind of fun for me because I was a member of COSIN when I was a school technology leader in the field. So, it's kind of fun to come
0: yeah, that's cool. Now, see, I learned something new today because I didn't know that you'd been a former music teacher. I am also a former band director. And really? my wife is a former, yeah, and my wife is a music teacher for a school, so um, that's interesting. Uh, you know, I, I'm telling you, music people, they make the best people. I'm just, that's all I, I have worry. to say. I mean, they just, they <laughs> they can get stuff done. You know, if you want something to get something done, get a music person to do it because uh, we, we got to figure out how to practice and uh, buy equipment and book gigs and get paid. And uh, I mean, we're, we're 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 multitaskers by nature, so that's great. Uh, I'm I'm glad to hear that. Well, it sounds to me like um, it sounds to me like you're involved in a lot of different areas of the um, of the educational technology field. I mean, I mean, you're probably dealing with things like uh, um, I, I, even this morning there was a, I think it was Education Week uh, put out a an article about. Um, broadband about access internet access and the issues that teachers are having and and so are those the kinds of things that you're dealing with as well with the with the consortium
1: yes absolutely so basically um you know of course we're recording this at the time of COVID 19 so that's obviously addressing the um the transition to digital age learning is something that's at the top of every technology director's mind. And it's been a very challenging right. time for them, but it's also brought out actually this time has actually brought out the importance of digital citizenship. Um, and I think highlighted it in the way, right. um, that has, um, made people even more aware of why it's so important.
0: Yeah. I mean, it, it's true because now we're really seeing that students, parents, uh, teachers were all kind of, uh, you know, we're, we're, it, we're all exposed to it in, in an interesting way. Um, you know, I mean, I mean, some of, some of the things that we dealt, we dealt with, with digital citizenship almost seemed to kind of be in their own vacuum because, you know, they were happening in places and we didn't really, you know, whereas now, I mean, pretty much everybody we right. It's right out there. And so, you know, um, so what would now, what, what was it that kind of got you interested in digital citizenship to, to start with? I mean, what, what kind of drove this for you? Um, it, was it just a part of, because if you were a technology director or what, how, how did this become such a passion for you?
1: It's a great question. It started when I was a school technology director and we, um, the social media manager, our webmaster, uh, r- reported to me and we had, um, she ever saw the school's social media accounts and she, we had a student who was a very talented athlete and had gotten a scholarship to a prestigious university and she wanted to do uh, social media postings uh, promoting her accomplishment and asked if me if it was okay if I would tag this student in a tweet. So I googled the student's name, and her Twitter handle was the third thing that came up. And uh, this was uh, what you know—a lot of people would traditionally call a good kid. You know, she was she was a nice kid. She wasn't mm-hmm. someone who was into trouble. She was popular with her peers and with her teachers, and she was very well liked. And. Um, you know, had a good reputation. And I'm reading her Twitter feed, which was the third thing that came up when you Googled her name. And this was a student who had a pretty substantial digital footprint because of her sports accomplishments. And she was using her Twitter feed like teenagers would use a text messaging service, only it wasn't private. So it Mm. was full of profanity. And I mean, you know, stuff that, you know, teenagers talking amongst themselves Um, Only it was Mm -hmm. in a very public forum, and if you Googled her name, it was the third thing you came upon. And, you know, there have been, of course, many stories of students who have had their college scholarships rescinded or even admission to colleges rescinded because of things they have posted online. And so when I saw her Twitter feed, I went to our head of school and I showed her what was there, and I said, can you please have our college counseling team talk with her, because not because I wanted her to get in trouble, but because I wanted someone to make her aware that what she was posting, and obviously she was thinking it was private, but it wasn't private, and I wanted to make sure she understood that, and honestly, that's kind of what um, started my passion for digital citizenship education, was that realization that, oh my goodness, this is something that could really impact a student's life, and then I just started doing more reading, and um, it, it just kind of snowballed from there.
0: Yeah, that's, that's really interesting that you talk about that, because uh, just, just last night, uh, I was talking to my son, who, who's he's 24, uh, at the taping of this, he's 24, and, um, and we were talking about the fact that um, at the university, I just was in a meeting, wow. that we were talking about hiring some new adjuncts and some new staff members, you know, it's something we're always talking about, you know, and, and um, one of the comments was, you know, make sure you do a deep dive into their social media. And, um, and, and, you know, it, it, it's funny how, you know, when you hear somebody say that, you know, we all talk about it. Like I was talking with my son last night about, you know, yeah, just be careful what you put on your social media. Cause just because you're mad about something right now, don't, don't lose a career over it. You know, we're always talking about these things, but, but, you know, until you're sitting in a meeting and somebody actually says to you, Hey, you know, Tim, make sure you do a deep dive in their social media. make sure there's nothing in there that could be, uh, that could be, a uh, you know, uh, that has to be mitigated as far as you know the university or the or the corporation or whatever you don 't really realize And I don't think most people that are listening right now, I think, I think there are some like, like you and I who we've, we've been in this field for a while. And so maybe we realize it. But I think a lot of people, especially people who are brand new to digital instruction, maybe because of COVID-19. I mean, you mentioned that earlier. That's right. This is, we're right in the middle of the, you know, the COVID-19. We don't know when things are going to be open or, you know, I think if people are first are right now kind of exposed to digital instruction in a way that, they haven't been before or maybe they're deeper than they've ever been before I don't think that people most people realize that their digital footprint is is not only um, it's not only available for everyone but it has a certain amount of permanence to it I mean you it's hard to get things to disappear off the internet would yes. you say that's right
1: yes in fact there are there are actually companies that you can hire um, that will Uh, work to post positive content above you. I mean, on the internet, to try and push negative content down in the search results um, under the assumption Mm -hmm. that most people only look at the first uh, page or two of Google search results. But you can spend thousands of dollars with these companies to try to have them improve. Uh, your digital reputation, and in some cases, honestly, I don't know that there's anything that can be done. If you, you know, if, if you're one of those unfortunate folks who posts something that goes viral, uh, th- I mean, that's something that's that's really hard to, you know, even push down in the search results. So yes, people, folks have to be really careful about uh, what they post mm-hmm. online, and that's not always easy to do. I struggle with it sometimes. You know, I mean, it's not always. Um, You know you want to respond in the heat of the moment um on social media having a discussion with someone and it's you know it's not always easy to step back and say okay i need to take the high road here i have to be really thoughtful about what i'm posting and how it might be interpreted by others but there have been cases that's boys there have been cases where teachers have lost their jobs because of things they've posted yeah
0: Oh yeah, I've heard about that. I mean, I've read about a lot of that. I've I've known people that's happened to them. They they posted something and it it came back to you know really bite them and that and that's unfortunate because you know w- we live in a world that we want to feel like we have free speech but the problem is we have to be really careful how that comes across and you know it's like the old days in the old days we used to tell people be careful what you email you know yes. things can be taken wrong in an email you know well it it's the same you know you're right with the viral nature of social media, it becomes exponentially, you know, more troublesome if something goes rogue. And so, you know, um, now the way that I met you, Susan, uh, is that you wrote a book called digital citizenship, a community based approach. It's a little book. Um, and, uh, and actually I was, I was doing some research for a, um, uh, for a course that I'm, I, I that I'm, I'm designing for St. Thomas university, um, uh, on digital literacy and digital citizenship, and so your book is one of the books that we're going to use as one of our textbooks. It's a little book. I love this book because it's a little book. It, it's not. It 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 isn't pretentious, um, it, but it just really kind of dives right into the. I mean, almost from page one, you just dive right into what this is. And so, you know, um, so for the sake of everyone listening, because what I've learned over the years is that we can use a term and that can have a lot of different meanings to people, and so. Tell us you know a little bit about about how how you define um, digital citizenship and 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 kind of you know how should we kind of be talking about it in 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 context of kind of what it is because it seems like digital citizenship can cover a lot of things. And when something can cover a lot of things that can get overwhelming for somebody like myself, who's just trying to teach a co- teach courses on the internet. I'm just trying to show pictures of my grandbabies. I don't have any grandbabies yet, but, 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 but I, it'll, it'll happen at some point. But I mean, or, you know, or, or, or talk about the fact that I'm out with my family and, and I'm celebrating somebody's birthday. I mean, it seems like, you know, at, at what point, you know, I guess, digital citizenship, how, how do we begin to frame that? I mean, we can define it and frame it so that it becomes something that we can kind of wrangle a little bit easier as far as just us being instructors.
1: Mm-hmm. Well, I would say at its core, digital citizenship is about the safe and ethical use of technology. And that can cover a lot of areas. In my book, um, I split it up into eight areas, and that can cover everything mm-hmm. from Internet safety, which means um, under, you know, uh, especially for uh, students understanding about making sure they're aware of not having conversations with strangers on the Internet or understanding how not to reveal too much information online. Um, Privacy and security. uh, So understanding how to protect your information from hackers. Um, and scammers, and, again, understanding uh, the privacy implications of using online tools. Um, relationships and communication, and you mentioned kind of some of the, the challenges that can arise from uh, communicating in online spaces when you don't have um, body language to bounce off of.
0: Right, right,
1: right. <laughs> I don't know about you, but I've yeah. had more than... I've written more than one email that has been misinterpreted before. And that's something that I'm yes. always having to think of. So it's being aware that it's very easy right. for, um, it's things, uh, said it on the, in an online context to be taken out of context or misunderstood in the absence of body language. Um, mm. that's another aspect of cyberbullying, which unfortunately we've heard uh, far too much of, um, and see far too much of, I don't know the school administrator who hasn't had to deal with cyberbullying. um, in their school Mm -hmm. and that impact Mm -hmm. that it has. Um, As we were just talking about digital footprints and online reputation, uh, in other words, what do people see when they Google your name? Uh, Then we can also talk about self-image and identity, which is also something that's important for adolescents because they're at, they're, they're searching for identity. They're exploring different identities. Um, You know, I know I certainly went through my first black stage when I was in, you know, my first year of college where, you know, I dressed in black <laughs> a lot. <laughs> right, right. That was right, a stage exactly. of my life. That's not who I am now. But that was a stage right. of my developmental growth. Um, and then um, also, uh, you know, understanding information literacy, like being understand- mm-hmm. or being able to recognize bias in news sources, being able to understand the perspective, um, being able to sift through the quantities of information in the internet and understand what's uh, legitimate and what's not, and what maybe kind of the the motivation behind the author of certain online postings and then also uh creative credit and copyright so you know knowing um understanding your rights as a creator of digital content and also understanding how to respect those of others so uh no you can't just right click on that photo that you found on google and just um use it in something else you know what how do you right how do you understand uh, the whole concepts of intellectual property? How do you implement those in your daily lives? You know, how, do you, how do you put photos in presentations that aren't going to be in violation of someone else's in, um, copyright and uh, understand right, how to cite right. things for, really? Um, so those, those are kind of the eight general categories that, that I had um, used in my book that was based on Common Sense Media at the time. They've actually kind of adjusted their categories somewhat, but honestly, it's, it's, all, it's all the same. It's just a way of kind of reframing and repackaging um, the content. But I think that the basic areas of content are still pretty much the same.
0: So now you mentioned common sense media a lot in, in your book. I mean, you, 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 um, you, you refer to it a lot. Is that a place that, you know, a digital instructor or, or a school teacher or a parent, or is that somewhere that it, it's a, it's a good place to go to, to kind of get a sense of, of, um, of all these things and, and what's going on and what I need to be looking at. Cause I mean, when I start to think about eight areas, right. Um, I think, okay, well that's better than 10, but that's not as good as five. I mean, you know, you're kind of, you know, you're kind of thinking, well, man, that's a lot I got to try to figure out. And I mean, some of it I realize is so seamless. I mean, we're, you know, we're just kind of, you know, we're just kind of doing what we're doing, but is that a good place to kind of go and, and for information, you know, uh, if I'm a teacher or whatever to kind of help myself, educate myself,
1: Absolutely. I highly recommend Common Sense Media. So they kind of have, they have a couple of different divisions and one is geared more towards parents in terms of helping them with regard to digital age parenting. So you'll find uh, book and movie and app and game reviews Um on any number of topics discussing like what kind of content you'll see kind of what's what's the age appropriateness of this content the content what i really like about their reviews is they're not overly dramatic they're just factual and you can determine for yourself based on your analysis of, of reading them um whether or not for instance that's an appropriate game to let your child play so in terms of a resource for parents they're terrific they have blogs for parents. They have guides on how to use, you know, different popular tools of the day. You know, right now, TikTok is all the rage. Um, mm-hmm. Kind of explaining the pros and cons of using TikTok and, and, you know, when it might be appropriate to allow your child to use it and what to look for. So they have a lot of different uh, resources for parents on their site. They also have a comprehensive uh, K-12 Uh, curriculum and with lots of resources for educators. And it was just been revamped Mm. in the past two years. And they were kind of one of the first folks in the topic, in the market with digital citizenship curriculum. And um, they've got some really good materials for educators and a lot, their content can be integrated into a variety of different subjects. So you don't have to be teaching a standalone digital citizenship course. For instance, I worked with a history teacher um, who I taught a unit on citizenship as part of her history course on American citizenship. So she just rolled digital citizenship into, uh, that, that citizenship unit. Oh, okay. So yeah, that's interesting. So it's, that's one thing I really like about their curriculum is they have a ton of resources and you can sort of mix and match and, and, and take what works for you in your specific educational context, um, in order to educate kids about digital citizenship.
0: That's interesting because, see, I think that's a really important point that, that especially instructors and educators need to hear is that digital citizenship doesn't have to be um, based on a set of units or a scope and sequence, but it can actually be, you know, it can be integrated fairly seamlessly into what just what we do. So, you know, if, if um, after reading your book, I, I thought. To myself, yeah. I mean, I can, I could touch on some of these things with my students. Um, um, you know, as they're writing their papers, make sure really? that you know you're citing. Make sure you know. I'm, you know, in, gra- in the graduate world, we're we're always talking about citing sources, and you know, we're we're, yeah. we're pretty big on it. But we hit plagiarism pretty hard. But you know, at the same time, I have a lot of opportunity to talk to my students about uh, their digital footprint. And, you know, and how to make sure, you know, how to understand, uh, like you said, information literacy, how to understand what really credible sources are. If you're citing sources that don't matter, well, that doesn't mean anything, you know. So, you know, I mean, I'm glad you're citing sources, but they've also got to be something that is reputable. So I think that, I think a lot of times people, instead of thinking, well, how am I going to integrate the eight things that, you know, uh, Susan has in her book, I think it's more educating yourself about what it is and then turning into conversations and, and um, you know, it, 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 like it will really, what it really comes down to is what you say in your book. It becomes much more cultural and community based than it is prescriptive and, you know, checklist. I've, I've got everything checked off. You know, I think it seems like that's what you, that's what you're advocating for in your book is kind of this more conversational community-based approach to it that says, we just need to make sure we're having conversations with our children our students and each other about these things, but we need to understand what they are. Is that correct?
1: Yes. Yes. And how do we use technology for good? (laughs) How do we use technology in positive ways? And it's, you know, that's so easy if, you know, even if a teacher is, for instance, And I'm just thinking now because we have so many students who are working online and they're um, having some sort of threaded discussion board or having students comment on each other's work. Um, you know what does an appropriate blog comment look like you know how do you respond right, appropriately right. to other students working in an online space where students are collaborating on a project together that was one thing I found was when I had students um, who were working in different schools collaborating on a project it was so easy for them to just misunderstand what the other person was saying this just 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 thinking just assuming positive intent <laughs> And figuring out right, how to right, question, right. how you get additional information. And um, I mean, these are all things, these don't have to be taught in a course. These are all things that you can, you know, no matter what your subject area, um, you can incorporate into, uh, you know, into your teaching and at all grade levels as well.
0: Right. I mean, I mean, I know the one thing that, that I see a lot of people talking about and I know I deal with in my own uh, instruction, especially in digital spaces is, you know, we try to. Um, teach the students, you know, Kind of what you said before. Don't be too dramatic about this. Keep yourself out of it. This isn't just about your opinion. This is about what's out there. What are the facts? You know, trying to neutralize some of that because you know what happens is this become these become my opinions, and I'm entitled to my opinions. And you know, and 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 I'm not suggesting. Look, I don't think either one of us are suggesting that you shouldn't have opinions and that you shouldn't talk about them when you're with your buddies or with you with your friends. And you know, that's not what I'm talking about. I'm I'm saying that you know in a in a context of education we got to make sure that the students understand um, that, you know, that everybody, everybody has a right to, to have a voice in the conversation, mm-hmm. even if they're wrong. Mm-hmm. But there's a way to deal with that. And I, and I know for social media, what exhausts me, frankly, about social media is that it's just so banal. Yes. You know, I mean, we just, it's just, it's just, you know, and one person is screaming at another and it's just, it's just so out of control that there isn't really a conversation there, There's really not, you know, there's, and so I think, you know, teaching that, you know, starting to understand how to really have a good discussion and it can be, it can be lively. It can be fiery discussion, mm-hmm. but how to have a real discussion and then, you know, walk away, walk away better because you understand the other side of the issue. I think, mm-hmm. I think whatever that is, you know, I mean, it, and it could be something is just understanding um, something as easy as just situational, you know, ethics where, you know, this is just kind of what was going on and this seemed to be the right decision versus, you know, really esoteric ideas about life and being and whatever it, it doesn't matter. You can have, you know, you can have the same, kinds of conversations and not bully each other because of your feeling that it's your right to have whatever opinion you have. It, it Some of that is just really something that we can just be talking about all the time with our students. And I know for myself, I, I, it's a constant state for me. I don't care about your opinion. I mean, I don't mean this in the wrong way, but I, I'm not that's not what we're looking for. We're looking for, you know, in in my case, it's what does the literature say about, you know, what's the scaffolding of literature? We're always talking about these things, but the thing about it is, is that what we're really trying to do is to have healthy informed conversations. And And I think that's really at the heart and respectful. Right. And I think that's really at the heart of digital citizenship is, is the citizen, you know, it's, it's, we're still, I've often said um, to to instructors uh, who are in digital spaces, it's a digital space, but it's not a digital person. That's a real person on the other side. Correct. And so I think that's really important, you know. And so uh, I so I appreciate what you're saying. And I think by going to somewhere like Common Space or uh, Common Sense Media, we can begin to educate ourselves. I mean, wouldn't you say, I mean, I, I kind of picked this up in your book, but one of the things that you said several times in your book, which is a favorite phrase of mine, by the way. So I think instantly we were, we were connected, but you know, the problem is a lot of people don't know what they don't know. I just love that. Yes. I've yes. said that for that's years perfect. that people, if you, if you don't know what you don't know, then you really are ignorant to what you could be doing. That's actually dangerous. Right. And so, exactly. you know, and so is would you say i would you say that i'm correct in in one of the things i really kind of picked up in your book was um you know you need, we need our, our first you know our first right of of passage here is really to begin to educate ourselves at a very high level i mean we really need to begin to educate ourselves on digital literacy and we need to kind of change the way that we're doing things so that we can better explain that to the people around us who we have influence over and whatever. It, would you say that's, that's, that's a, it's a theme. I mean, it's not the only point of your book, obviously, but it, it's kind of a theme that stop being ignorant about these things, educate yourself, know what you don't know, um, you know, kind of, you know, be in that. Uh, would you say that's kind of a, a, a general theme of, uh, of this?
1: Absolutely. Self, self knowledge and self awareness is absolutely critical and, And like I've said, a lot of people don't know what they don't know. And actually, if I had a goal for this book, it was to get people to start realizing that they don't know what they don't know and to spark an interest in them in figuring out what they didn't know. Uh, Because, you know, I I when I first started my digital citizenship journey, you know, I didn't know everything there was about digital citizenship. I became something. I was really interested in, so I started doing a lot of reading about it, and it didn't happen overnight either. I mean, it was just, you know, it wasn't like I decided to write a twelve-page research paper on digital citizenship. You know, it was, it was. I just became more interested and aware in the topic, and mm-hmm. when you're more interested in and there and you open yourself up to um, getting more information about a topic, then suddenly you might notice that article in the newspaper that's talking about digital citizenship, or in my case, because I'm very active on Twitter, I started um, kind of doing research on, on Twitter for, for um, research or for resources about digital citizenship. There's an actual hashtag called DigSit that's used by educators on Twitter. And so I started following that hashtag and reading resources and educating myself and learning more about it. And that, I, I think that's, that is so important for all of us because there isn't a person on this planet who can't benefit from understanding the whole concept of digital footprints or of understanding, um, uh, basic cybersecurity or cyber hygiene, so to speak, and how to keep yourself safe or to understand, um, how to keep Mm -hmm. your children safe. That's one thing I have found with a lot of teachers is when they make the connection to, Oh, this is not something I just need to teach my students. This is something I need to know as parents, (laughs) because this has impacted my own own grandchildren, then I think that kind of brings it home. So when you think about it in terms of how do I, how am I keeping myself, um, making myself more safe and productive and a better human citizen, a better contributing citizen to society, on, in online spaces, then then once you understand it, then of course you'll share that knowledge with your students. But you have to know you have to know what you don't know first. And so that was really the mm-hmm. goal of my book was just to spark people's interest and get them to, to start caring about digital citizenship. And I'm I'm really happy that digital citizenship has a has a topic that has become more mainstream over the past few years. For um, a while, we were all kind of like feeling we were shouting into the wilderness. And I think now it's become, there's much greater realization of the importance of teaching digital citizenship. Um, and and it's also important, because I hate to say this, but kids have so many terrible role models nowadays. I mean, and you know, that's- yeah, it's true. You know, another aspect of my book is, is you know, I talk about the, the idea of it being a community-based approach. Um, sometimes right. those terrible role models are their own family members. So it's it's so right. how do we not just help ourselves become better digital citizens and students, but also how do we help teachers in the broader community become better digital citizens as well?
0: Yeah, I mean, that is so true because it's funny how you can watch something happen on, on the Internet. A TikTok is such a good example. You can watch something happen on TikTok from a celebrity, and it won't be long before... Every teenager in the world and pre and preteenager are doing the same thing. They're all doing it. So, and 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 it doesn't necessarily have to be a celebrity. There are so I think what's really interesting is I have a at the at the time of the taping of this I have a 17 year old senior in high school. Uh, she's my youngest daughter, and I think it's funny how she is actually celebrity to her is much less the singers and the movie stars and the you know although there are those i mean i'm not suggesting that she doesn't have those but it's much less of that than social media influencer she's very much aware of social media influence and who are the influencers and she can be equally as as uh, <laughs> you know as excited and also irritated by them you know and and it's interesting because they are you know, they were just, I, I don't think people really realize that a lot of these social media influencers were just normal people. They were just everyday people and they began, they got into a niche and they used social media to drive that niche. And they, they you know, they just became people that ultimately um, had a big following on, on YouTube or Instagram or, or what or both or whatever. And, and it's all, it's very prescriptive. I don't think that most people understand that, you know, if you have, a major social media influencer let's say in the in the beauty space or or in the uh, in the real estate space or or somebody you know that having a picture of them uh, you know a completely um inebriated and and acting like an idiot at a bar can can actually mean a career loss for them i mean it, it can be very very bad but at the same time you're right it can influence all of the people who are are you know they're they're fragile in the sense that they you know they're they're young and they're watching and they think this is what people do. There's right. a responsibility there. So yeah, you're exactly right. I mean, I mean this thing of digital citizenship. That's what I love about it. it it's really not. It's really not about literacy. Although although literacy is important uh, because what you said is exactly right. There's a there, there's a part of digital literacy that this is symbiotic with because if I don't understand what I don't understand. <laughs> then, I mean, if I'm walking around, you know, with my, with my head in the sand, then things are happening and I don't know it. And that's, and that could be just directly um, uh, in deference to my, my children. I mean, I have to know what they're doing. I have to know what they're saying and I have to be a part of that. And I may not, otherwise things start to happen and you, you know, uh, you it could be happening for a long time. I know that I had students when I was uh, a principal of a school that they, when they finally told us about the cyberbullying that was going on, and this was you know a number of years ago when that was really new um they um it had been a long time i mean it had been a long time before they had said anything because they didn't think and the, and the biggest reason was they didn't they did, it wasn't that they didn't want to get into trouble themselves, uh, although that was part of it because they had also engaged in a lot and they thought they were as much a fault at fault as the other person. but the other problem was is that they didn't want to lose their their following. They didn't want to lose their connection to all these people. It's a very real issue for them. And so I think that's important because I think that every, uh, when I read your book, one of the thoughts that came to mind, and and I, I want you to correct me if you think I'm wrong, but is that every digital instructor, everybody who's in, everybody who's in, you know, engaged in digital instruction where you have students that you're engaging through digital means, you are becoming a digital influencer you are that footprint is very influential in the lives of those people would you say that's right Mm -hmm.
1: absolutely and you i think have a responsibility uh teachers to try and use that influence for good (laughs) and uh right right right. that's uh that's really important that just say something as simple as is, you know, setting basic ground rules with your students with regard to the use of technology or having, having your students come up with the ground rules. It's always best when the kids come up with their own
0: yeah, sure, policies
1: sure. for, you know, like, for instance, classroom use yeah. of a particular tool. Um, th- then you know, kids tend to be much more thoughtful and reasonable when they're on their restrictions, or sometimes they'll come up with even stricter policies than a teacher might. Um, but I just think helping them get that ownership and helping them kind of think through those implications of, Developing those policies and procedures that kind of helps them think through it kind of more globally when they're thinking outside of the classroom when they're thinking about their own use of technology.
0: Yeah, that's really good. So when you talk about this community-based kind of approach to technology, are you when you when you view the community, are you viewing that being kind of a teacher, like you know, an instructor, uh, parent, kid, or? Or maybe, you know, like in my case, I don't really have kids. I, I tend to call them all kids. I, I don't know why I do that. I, I I think it's because I taught I taught high school for a long time, and I always call them kids. And so now I'll say I'm on the phone with the kids. But you know, some of them are older than I am. But anyway, it doesn't matter. But you know, the students, the the teacher, the 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 you know, or are you really meaning more of, um, you know, other stakeholders that are in the that are in the community as well? I mean, it's just something that the clergy and and uh business operators and i mean you know librarians i mean is this something that really becomes holistic to the whole community is that kind of your idea or is it more of a of kind of a more of a a honed in approach or is it is it is it both i mean give us a little bit of insight as to how you see the community based approach to this happening
1: Both. I think, you know, for starters, obviously, including parents and guardians in this digital citizenship education is important because, again, a lot of them don't know what they don't know. Um, I've been um, very surprised. Like, I'll ask questions to parents Do you know why the minimum age for using social media is 13? And very, very few, I don't know if I've ever had a parent answer and tell me that it's because of COPPA, or the Children's Online Privacy Protection Act, which is basically a federal law where it's operators of uh, web tools and applications geared at children that requires them to get parental consent before sharing their information. um, So in other words... Uh, once a child turns... So 13 isn't the magical age that you can use all of these social media platforms because children are miraculously turned turn up at the age of 13. That's just the age defined by the federal law. In other words, once you're 13, there's no protections on your data. Um, if you open an Instagram account, um, you know Facebook can do whatever it wants with your data and you can sell it and it can... Uh, use it for, to target you, and again, sell it to third parties. And but most people don't realize that, that that's what uh, the age limit on social media is about. Um, it's about p- protecting your kids from having their data harvested by marketers. So to just right, helping people right. understand that, helping um, parents understand that, but then also if you can include the broader community, I think that's critical because I think, I don't think kids can hear these messages from enough people in their lives especially because there are so many poor adult role models around, um, the more positive uh, role models that they can have and that, you know, including their parents and their extended family, but also the broader community, including um, clergy, including um, local business owners, including, um, you know, local police, um, the more that um, the broader community can get together to kind of demonstrate the principles of good digital citizenship and help model that for kids, the more important. So, yeah. So when I say, sometimes you'll have mm. people, parents will say, "Ah, oh, well, it's a school's job to teach the kid all that stuff. And then the school's right, just like, right. eh, it's a parent's job to teach all that stuff. I've got enough going on. I've got it. I don't, I don't need one more thing to worry about. So, but I would say it's everybody's responsibility. It's not the just the parent mm-hmm. responsibility. It's not just the school's responsibility. It really is a community responsibility. Um, and I think I said kind of the paraphrase quote, it takes a village to raise a good digital citizen. Um, and I think that's really true. So that's, that's, so when I'm talking about the broader context, obviously, you know, schools have various circles of influence, but I think the more that you can involve the broader community, the better.
0: Yeah, that's really good. And because you're right. I mean, I mean, I, you know it, it's funny because i think that um like a lot of things families are not having these conversations i i know that my daughter one time she she took a picture of me and it wasn't it wasn't it wasn't a bad thing at all it it was it was an innocent thing she just took a picture that i was in a weird i it just was a weird scenario you know i was wearing a weird hat and you know whatever she took this picture and she posted it and um and when I looked at it again, I thought, man, that can't be up there. I, I, If somebody sees that the wrong way, right, that could have ramifications for me, right? So I had to sit her down, and it was a very difficult conversation because, you know, of course she had no intent, right? Of course she had no, you know, there was nothing really wrong. I couldn't say it's it was a wrong picture, right? It, I just, it just wasn't, it, it was a nuance, but it was an opportunity for us to talk about digital footprints. Mm-hmm. It was an op- opportunity for us to talk about um, how this stuff never goes away. I, I work in an industry that's constantly looking at social media and, and doing deep dives into people's social media. And so I have to be very careful. I have to be, maybe I have to be more careful than the, than the average person, I don't think that's true. I think the average person uh, in digital citizenship is we're real, we're rather reckless to to be to be frank, and so I, I think it's, we just have to be normal. And if we just normally think, what's this going to look like to my boss or what the, might this look like to my children or what might this look like to my mom or whatever, I think I think we would it would keep us from doing a lot of things. But regardless, I told her, I said, I don't know if I'm just, I just have to be more careful about these things or not, but that's just not something I, I want to have up there. And I realized that by you taking it down, it could still be out there. I mean, it could still, you know, be floating around out there There's an image that's out there, but I'm not that worried about it, but I don't think I want it to be on the internet so i need you to take it down and and you know what she did i mean look she's a, she's a good kid she took it down i don't know that she completely understood it i don't know that i completely understand it but but it is what it is and i think you know as digital educators as digital instructors Um, where where the digital spaces are they are our world. I mean, my whole world. Now, for some, they still have a face-to-face component, and there's, you know, but for me personally, my whole world is in digital spaces. And so I think we have to just understand the permanence of that. I think we have to understand what things look like, how things can be misinterpreted. All the things that we talked about today are so important because you can you can decide that you just don't agree. And roll the dice, but I mean, what you said earlier is so true. How many emails have I gotten yesterday (laughs) that I said (laughs) I looked at them and went and look and looked at them and went? I wonder what they mean. Yeah. I wonder. You know. I wonder why would they have said it that way? Oh, I don't know. I don't think it's anything. But you know, there was a minute there. And, you know, and so a lot of times, um, you know, if I'm, if I'm really struggling with something, I mean, I'll make a phone call, right. And I don't know what nine and a half times out of 10 it's Oh, I didn't mean that at all. I I just meant that, you know, but it's, it's just, this is the way that the digital media works. And, and, and if you don't believe that, just watch the news media, uh, whatever side of the political market you're on doesn't really matter. Just look at it. It it is, it is so much misinformation and, and it's designed, it's designed so that you will see things in a certain way. And then there's all this debate back and forth because that's what, I mean, it's marketing. It's, it's, it's clicking. It's, it's getting traffic. It's all of that. And, and if we aren't careful, we'll find ourselves right in the middle of that. And, and when, and being influenced and, and influencing people around us not even know that's what's happening. Mm-hmm. And so um, I can't tell you how many young people I've talked to over the years that I said, you know, if you talk bad about your your uh, your employer on social media, they can see that. Yep. And, and and then they can let you go, you know. I mean, so I think that's so good. I think the way that you're talking about this as a community thing is, is so important. Yeah,
1: because um, I think people talk about People will often say, you know, well, I have a right to free speech. And uh, what the right, right to free speech means is it means it's the right to free speech without the U.S. government <laughs> curtailing your right to free speech. Right. It doesn't mean freedom from responsibility for accepting That's consequences right. of your freedom free speech that are not related to the federal government. So, uh, you know, if, if you say, well, I have a free speech right to post something about my employer online. Well, no, you, you do have free speech right to say what you want about your employer online. And you also have the right to accept the responsibility that comes with exactly. that, right? And that that's be right. That's exactly out. right. So it's, um, that's, you know, a lot of people will, will sort of say, well, I have the right to say whatever I want online. Well, yes, you do. But then you also have the right and responsibility to accept whatever consequences, Arises as a result of that. So, so really free speech is free speech. But it's, it's a limited context. It really has to do with the federal government, not right. about your employer or your friends or, um, you know, other individuals in your world.
0: That's right. And, and you know, anytime somebody says that to me, I, I always say the same. i now I'm a little bit more abrasive. You are a very nice lady. So I appreciate that. But I, I'm a little more abrasive. I'll say, no, you don't. You don't have free speech. You can't say whatever you want. I can't walk into a, a restaurant and yell fire. fire. I can't walk into a, I can't, I can't walk into a movie theater and yell bomb. You know I mean? I there, I mean, I can't cyber bully people. I mean, if I go online and I start stalking you and I start sending you uh, messages and I'm, I know where you are and I'm st- you know, that's, it's a crime. I'm not allowed to do that. And so you, you really can't say that you have, that you can just say whatever you want. That's just, that's, that's a ridiculous notion. And, and you're right. Anything that I say, let's just, just take that in personal communication. I can literally say anything that I want to you in person too, but that doesn't mean I should. Right. And it doesn't mean that, and it doesn't mean that I shouldn't think about it for a minute. Maybe before I, I, maybe before I, uh, I don't know, Say something about their birth defect. Maybe I should not say that. Maybe I should think about it. Maybe yeah. before I talk about a person's ethnic background, maybe I should think about that for a second. Maybe I need to. You know, I mean, yeah, I could say I can say it, but it doesn't mean that it's going to make me. It's going to push me any further. And you're right. You're you're my responsibility is greater than my ability to speak. I I, I have to be able to filter things. Yes through, through a, a, a set of filters that says, wait a minute, um, m- my job is to be a responsible being, a responsible human being. I mean, I, I've got I've to make sure that I'm making connections. I'm building bridges. You know, my grandmother, she's gone, but she used to always say, don't build walls, build bridges. I mean, that's the thing. You know, mm-hmm. I can build walls and I have every right to build a wall, but then I don't have a right to complain that I'm behind a wall because exactly. I built it.
1: Yes, and so exactly. I think that's the
0: problem. That's the problem. It's like, well, I just want to be able to say whatever I want and not build any walls. Well, that's just not possible.
1: Right. That's yeah. not possible.
0: Yeah. I mean, and, and the federal guy. and you're right, the federal government through the First Amendment will let you build a wall or a bridge. They don't care as long as you're not committing a crime, right? Right, but right. It's up to you to understand if you're building walls or building bridges. And I think that's the that's really the issue that, that digital citizenship is. Am I building walls? Or and in fact, am I building walls to the point that I'm I'm actually negatively impacting myself, mm-hmm. or and others?
1: Yeah, you're recognizing the rights right. that come that the responsibilities that come with your right
0: free speech. Right, which is I think the essence of citizenship. Yes, it's it's exactly. understanding my rights and my responsibilities that go along with those rights. It, it's a, it's two sides of the same coin. Exactly. And so that's that's. I think that, I think if we walk away with that today, that I think if we walk away, those two things, two things, number one, that digital citizenship is something that we need to educate ourselves on in order to be good at educating others. I mean, I've got to fix my own footprint, you know, and I, I I have a, I have a good friend and I, I know you, I think you mentioned this in your book too. I mean, Google yourself, see what's out there. You know, if the third thing that comes up is your Twitter feed, like you said about this student, if the third thing that comes up is your Twitter feed and it's full of uh, pornography, well, that's not what I meant, but but, um, profanity, (laughs) foul language, that's what I meant. If if it's full of that, well, then maybe you need to think about that because that's really out there. I mean, everybody can see that, right? That's what I'm saying is if you're, if you're looking at, You know, I mean, you got to educate yourself about what your footprint looks like and what it should look like and how you can change that, you know, but that's really important. I mean, there's no denying that, but I think even more importantly, you have to rethink this idea of in a digital space, I'm a digital citizen, which means I have rights Mm-hmm. but I also have responsibilities, responsibilities. and, 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 they're
1: equal. <laughs> uh, yeah,
0: and I think that's, I think that's great. I think that's, I think if, if we can walk away with that, we've walked away with a lot. So, well, tell us a little bit just as a wrap up here, cause we got to, we're, we're wrapping up, but tell us a little bit about, um, how we can get in touch with you. What are you doing? I mean, what, what are the, tell us a little bit about what you're working on right now, uh, how people can get in touch with you. Are there, are there ways, uh, you know, what's the best way to get a hold of your book, which I would highly recommend. I mean, I'll put a, uh, I'll put a link in the notes to where you can get this on Sage. I know that it's offered by Sage publishers. That's where I got it. Um, cause all of us, uh, professors, we all love Sage and Wiley and Jossie Bass and all those. So, you know, so it's good that it's on Sage, but digital citizenship, a community-based approach. Um, you know, uh, what, what's happening, just kind of give us an idea of what you're working on and, and, um, how we can get a hold of you.
1: Sure. Well, you can definitely find the book on the Sage website. Um, it's also available on Amazon. So, um, just do a search for digital citizenship, a community-based approach and you'll find it on the interwebs. Um, so if you're to get in touch with me, I'm probably, um, I'm probably best known on Twitter. Uh, my Twitter handle is at, S underscore Bearden that's B-E-A-R-D-E-N um, so definitely that's always a good I'm very active on Twitter so that's always a good way to connect with me um, and also I'm pretty active on LinkedIn so it's uh, LinkedIn uh, dot com slash in slash Susan M. Bearden um, it just, you can also reach out yep. to me on LinkedIn um, and you can reach out to me through uh, my and email which is sbearden at so um right now at cocin we're busy as of this writing. our online conference which is supposed to be our in-person conference in march has been bumped to an online conference so we are busy preparing for that um so that'll be our first uh foray into online conferencing so that's uh that's kind of one of our big projects right now is uh putting out wow that
0: sounds fun that sounds great yeah and if people want to know more about Cosin and about what they do, and you know, especially if we have uh, um, information folks out here or instructional designers or just want to know more about edu- ed tech or um, what's the best way for them to find out more about Cosin and, what they, and what's going on there,
1: well, check out Cosin's website. It's uh, C O S N dot org for the Consortium for School Network. Um, and you can find awesome. we, have, we have resources on. Not actually, not specifically on digital citizenship, but on related topics. So We have a lot of special resources on privacy and cybersecurity and digital equity and on just kind of general ed tech leadership. We've got tons of content on our website, so definitely would encourage you to check that out at cosin.org.
0: Awesome. All right. Well, Susan, thanks so much for being on the, on the podcast today. I really appreciate it. I know uh, your time is valuable and uh, I really appreciate you being on um, and talking about digital citizenship with us. Um, and uh, I, we'll have you back sometime. I mean, there's so much we could talk about. We take, any, we could take each one of these eight things and, and break it out. So we'll certainly, we'd love to have you back uh, to talk more about this, but thanks so much for being here today.
1: Thanks for having me. It was a lot of fun talking with you, Jim. Take care.
0: Well, that's it for this edition of the uh, Digital Instructor. Make sure that you uh, check out Susan's book, um, Digital Citizenship, A Community based Approach by Susan and Bearden. Uh, if you want to start down the road, if you're like me and you like to have a book in your hand uh, or, or one on your iPad or your Kindle, um, Grab this book; uh, it's a great, a great place to start your education on uh, digital citizenship. And uh, otherwise, join us in the at, on LinkedIn. You can join us in the Digital Instructors Lounge. Make sure you're you're there. We're handing out. We're we're always pushing out uh, lots of content there. And uh, you can join us next time on uh, the next episode of the Digital Instructor Podcast. Thanks so much for being with us today, and uh, have a great rest of your week.